Welcome to the Here to Be podcast, a show that gives you full permission to be, to just be you. I'm your host, Megan, a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator and embodiment coach, empowering you to stop looking outside of yourself for the answers and to lead from your inner wisdom. We're going to get real, we're going to get raw, and probably a little woo-woo. I'm so glad you're here to come with. Hello, friend. Welcome back. I have a doozy of an episode for you today. I get to chat and you get to be a part. You get to be in the background as my guest today, Lizbeth, and I connect and chat. And her light, her joy. She sent me this picture and it's just the most perfect encapsulation of who she is. She just is pours light. Every surface of Lisbeth is just gushing light towards you and you feel so warm and so held. And just listening to her voice as I listened back to this episode, it's just that. You, you'll you know. You'll know in just a moment or two. And Lisbeth and I crossed paths when we were in breathwork certification together. And we talk a little bit about that. And we talk a lot about the way in which Lisbeth chooses to use her social media platform to run the business that she does to connect with other humans in this way of being trauma-informed and being inclusive and welcoming and oh there's just so much she just, her goal is just to make people feel better and that might sound a little bit generic but when you when her voice hits your ears and you, it just permeates through your system you'll just know that that is exactly what she is here on this earth to do and she shares it so incredibly I cannot wait for you to just dive in and to be immersed in the beautiful wisdom that is Lisbeth and super quick before we dive in I want to give a shout out and share some amazing information about today's podcast sponsor. It's Sakara Wellness. I've spoke about Sakara before. You know that I am a fan and they are doing some incredible Black Friday deals. 25% off site wide. You can use the uh, code in the show notes. It's XO Megan S slash BF 21 to get your hands on those Black Friday deals. This does not happen typically, which is pretty incredible. And I was traveling the last week and Sakara truly was so, so helpful. If you are someone who has food allergies or gut issues or just are on, um, just want to travel and have easy access to things. I brought the nuts and seed packets with me. I was eating them on flights. I was eating them while I was hiking. They just nicely fit in my backpack and they tasted so yummy. I had the greens and protein powder that I had with me and the little cacao mixtures that I mixed up in morning drinks when I just wanted something ooey gooey and warm and very nourishing and all of this including their meal delivery service is all 25% off through the 29th of November so it is just a few more days to get your hands on that and again the link is in the show notes that gives you that cash money back on it all right now for the really really good stuff here's Lizbeth 
I wish you could see the face. I wish this was a video pot of that would just be TV, but I wish there was a video element to this podcast because the face that is looking at me is so lovely for all the reasons and has the biggest, best smile and the best nails, I must say. Um, so this is great podcasting already. Like, let me describe the person that I'm looking at. <laughs> why don't, Elizabeth, why don't you tell everybody who you are? Who am no, I looking at? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, tell them. All, they're, they're nice. Um, I, yeah, my name is Lisbeth. Megan and I met in amazing pause breathwork training and she has just, we've had lots of tears together in our sessions. I think I've probably cried most in your session than I have in anybody else's. Yep. Like, <laughs> but it's first that goes the same. <laughs> like, I think, yeah, we, we just breathe and cry. That's how yeah. we know each other. <laughs> if you've done breath work before, you get it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you get we, it. We, we breathe and cry together. Um, yeah, and I live in Houston, Texas. After kind of moving around the world, I wound up back here, which is a long story in itself. But, um, and I teach breath work, I teach yoga, I teach corporate mindfulness. Um, I also work with survivors of human trafficking. Um, all of the things I do have the main theme of just helping people feel better is what I always tell people. Like when somebody asks, what do you do? Which is like the, I hate that question, <laughs> first of all, because I'm like, we are not defined by the jobs that we take, but anyway. <laughs> So when somebody asks me, what do you do? I'm like, I help people feel better. And then they're like, okay, great answer. But that's what cool. I do. So. <laughs> Which is actually, we before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about this and about how there is an overarching theme of all the things that you do, but you get to march to your own drum and you started listening to what makes me feel good and what doesn't. And even though it's been done this way, or you're supposed to, or this coach said this and marketing plan said this or X, Y, Z, that shit didn't feel good. And I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, my journey, everything I do is a reflection of like how my journey has evolved for me. Like I started with the movement piece. I started with yoga. I was in a corporate job and I was just, at one point I traveled, I think it was 150 trips in two years. Oh, yeah, exactly. It was when I was living in Singapore and, um, I was just totally burnt out and everything in me was like, leave, try something new. And so of course, instead of like trying something new, I was like, let's open a new office in Dubai. And so I, I burnt myself out even more, <laughs> but at least in the interim, I had found yoga. So I started to really reconnect to myself through movement. And then from there, it just became an evolution of getting what I call furiously curious. And what I encourage everybody that I work with or that I come in, everybody that I come into contact with, <laughs> I'm just like, get furiously curious because I think that one prescribed way of healing and one prescribed way of connecting to yourself or your business or whatever it is, um, it, that's not going to work for everyone. So I call it being furiously curious about finding what works for you. And so like what I am then in turn able to offer is like all these different modalities of helping people create that for themselves and um, explore those different modalities. So, yeah. And when you say the words furiously curious, I was like, that pretty much describes Lisbeth. Like that's, <laughs> that's pretty spot on. 
That's about right. Yeah. Spot on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other part of so much of what you do and you speak on, and honestly, this is, I know for a fact, this is why we have had breathwork sessions where I do cry and where I do feel safe. And I do is because you come so beautifully to a space being present and being so aware that makes me feel so safe. Mm, that's like and the compliment ever. Oh my God. You do. You, you really, really, really do. And I mean, this is an inside look, but for me, breathwork is a very sacred space that mm-hmm. it, it takes a lot for me to let my guard down and to let those emotions be present. And it has to feel very comfortable for me to do so. It's getting better and it's a space, but it's just, it's just where I am in my journey of that. And when I say you do that in breath work, you do that in every, every time I see an Instagram story, every time I see everything you do is so aware. And can you walk me through that a little bit? It is, oh it's, <laughs> yeah. it's powerful. Oh, thank you. Honestly, that I'm gonna, you're going to make me cry already. I'm like, we're three minutes in. <laughs> we cry on podcasts. We cry on breath. Like we told you before, everyone, there would be tears. Um, absolutely. I think I'll be really honest. It's something that I've been exploring recently um, as well. I think because it comes from a place of not feeling seen myself for so long. Um, I didn't realize until recently that I think that translates to it, that the reason that I place so much importance on somebody feeling safe and seen and heard is because I never want somebody to leave that space with me feeling like I often feel in certain places and, or I have felt in my past. And so I think that created the catalyst for it. Again, I've only made the connection with that really recently, but I think that's why I place so much importance on that. I also come from a very um, strong trauma-informed background, which is why pause breathwork actually was what drew me into that modality of breathwork, um, creating safety in the body. I haven't felt safe or I didn't feel, now I do. Um, well, let's be honest, not all the time do I (laughs) feel safe in my body, but it took me a long time to begin to create safety in my body. And the more I understood about the physiology of that and the emotional links between the mind and body, I don't want somebody who is exploring that internally within themselves to have to worry about anything external at that point. I'm like, I want you to be fully safe in a container that externally feels so validating and so held that your one job is to be completely in connection with yourself and whatever I'm doing, whatever that may be. And that's evolved in my facilitation of different things over time. And it'll continue to evolve. I'm never going to get it right. And there's things that I can do, which is why I'm hyper aware then of some of those things is because that's my ultimate goal is if you are in my space, then this is a container for you to feel safe to explore. I don't want you to worry about my reaction, my judgment, your safety around me, um, what I think or feel or any of those things. It needs to be 100% about what's happening with that person. Now me with ADHD, 
it takes a lot of clearing before I step into a space to be able to do that as well. So like I have to take, I don't take on a ton of clients. I do most of my work one-on-one because I try to create so much intentionality around those things. And again, I don't always get it right. I'm sure there's people that leave me and they're like, wow, she was the least present person I've ever met (laughs) (laughs) because I do have ADHD. So I probably am talking about 500 things when I'm talking to somebody on the street. But if it's a container of something that I'm facilitating, then I know that I can bring that intentionality to the space for that person. Um, So yeah, that's kind of my process. With ADHD, is how does that impact how you are able to breathe, do a breathwork session to drop in, to do like, I was like, I haven't even thought about this, but wow, it's challenging for, it can be challenging for me and I don't have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, what a beautiful question. <laughs> Thank you for that question. Yeah. Um, it is a lot of grace for myself. Um, it was a lot of realizing that there wasn't one right way to do breath work or there wasn't one right way. I started, I started really exploring it with meditation. To be honest, for a long time, I thought I was doing meditation wrong because my mind would wander. And I was like, I'm thinking about 5 billion different things while I meditate. And a teacher once told me, or somebody told me, and they're like, no, it's the micro moments where you get clear in the middle. Like it's the little moments in between. You may have one, you may have none. It's just the awareness of coming back. That is actually the meditation or that is actually mindfulness is just noticing that you drift and bringing it back. And I was like, oh, that changed the game for me. So I apply the same thing to breath work. Like if I can get into a rhythm in my body and let my body take over, that is the most beautiful space to be. But sometimes it takes a while to get there. And so I just have to exercise a lot of grace for myself and be like, oh, nope, back to the mantra, back to, um, you know, oh, like I always tell people I have two modes of breathing. I either look like I'm dead or I'm flailing wildly. <laughs> like there's no in between. <laughs> like, absolutely no in between. Either like you're like, is she still breathing? <laughs> is she okay? Or like, man, she's really like working through it. Like uh, kind of and that's kind of a very ADHD thing to begin with. Also, this very all or nothing like one side of the spectrum or another mentality. So I'm trying with everything that I do to find this kind of gray area and be okay in this kind of middle ground and be okay. If not every session is, I lose all sense of time and space and I'm fully in my body and releasing everything that just taking the time out to draw my connection and draw my attention to the breath is enough. Like Mm -hmm. that's totally okay. So with ADHD, it just is, It's a lot about the observation and the not getting anything right. Um, Yeah, yeah, is is definitely a big, big piece um, for that. Um, Also sensory, like, so a lot of things with ADHD is like around sensory stuff. So I keep a lot of sensory things around. So weighted blanket, weighted eye mask. Um, I'm obsessed with squishmallows (laughs) and they all have their individual stories. I just want to be the person that creates the stories for Squishmallows, but (laughs) I'm obsessed with them because they're super squishy. So I keep them around as well. So especially if I'm getting like tetany in my hands and I need something sensory because I don't like that, like tightening, 
um, I keep squish mallows around that I can like squish little stuffed animals and, <laughs> and or soft things, furry, soft blankets. And my cat, he usually breathes with me. So <laughs> those kinds of things. And this, uh, this leads in really well. I'm glad that we're talking about this because this idea that not everybody is going to do something in the way that I do it. Mm -hmm. And when we live in our own world, in our own space, it is so easy to believe. And I still, in the same way that I didn't even once think until right now about what is it like for somebody to breathe who has ADHD? What is it like for somebody to, and this is this trauma informed space that we're talking about is just being open and starting to be inclusive that everybody has something else that they're bringing to their past, their present, their future, whatever they're going through. And how are we being, you don't, it's not even about you processing, but just how are you, like you said, how are you creating a container that allows them to be in whatever piece that they have in that moment? Mm -hmm. And you do such a wonderful job when you speak online about in the way of being trauma-informed and you do a fantastic job in all the pieces, but especially around mental health especially around body autonomy mm -hmm. and body sovereignty, which I would love to dive into because it is good stuff. Um, and especially with, with movement, with exercise, with yoga. And how do you, first of all, let's do this. What is trauma informed for somebody that is saying, I don't know, I've never, I've never been abused. So I don't know what trauma is, or I've never had a big loss. So I don't know what trauma is. What is, what is trauma informed? Mm -hmm. And then dive into how you're kind of utilizing it in these different spaces. Sure. Yeah. So when we talk about trauma informed, which by the way, there's a lot of different terminologies around that today. So what I like to do too, is trauma informed, use interchangeably trauma informed and trauma aware, um, because it is really kind of creating an awareness around it. And then trauma informed is actually utilizing it in the way that we interact and understand um, things that could be like, we don't ever want to assess something that may be happening with somebody. It's not, it's just creating that like focus on accepting somebody for where they're at, where they're from and being sensitive to that too, being sensitive to different circumstances, different spaces that you're walking into of how people may respond to certain things. Also with the understanding again, that you're never going to get it fully right because yeah. everybody's different. Everybody's different, but it's creating this individual awareness. What I like to say is it's creating a shared language and a shared culture around understanding that everyone has a specific set of lived experience that creates and shapes who they are and how they react and respond. And understanding that trauma is universal and that at one point they used to say that 90 like 8% of people have experienced trauma after covid i think we can collectively say that 100% of people have experienced collective trauma across the globe so creating an awareness around that is hugely important to understand what could be what could be being the operative word happening in somebody's body mind whatever as we speak and interact and just being neutral and gracious in that. Now there is also another terminology around healing centered, which is kind of a different conversation and something I'm just learning a little bit deeper into. So I stay mostly in the trauma informed space now, um, but I allow it to kind of shape how I work in business, 
how I interact in my facilitation um, and really making it so that I make space for however somebody wants to show up from their lived experience and what shapes how they react and respond to anything I may place out online, in sales, in discussion, um, about body, about, um, to be honest, like about selling offers even from a business perspective, like making sure that somebody feels invited to a conversation versus forced into something mm-hmm. um, is very, very important to me. So yeah, when we're talking about like trauma informed, it's shaping and making space for the person to show up exactly who they are in exactly how their lived experience has brought them to this point. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And how have you been weaving that into what you do? How, like, what are the practices that you do and why is it important? Yeah. So when we talk about it, I'll start with the movement. Cause you mentioned the movement piece. And I think it's one of the easiest ones to kind of take and then see how it spreads its little tentacles in other areas. <laughs> Cause really how, how we do one thing is how we do. Everything. How we do one thing is how we do everything. And so how it impacts one space, it's going to be a, a nuance different, but a similar, but it's a similar, way. and it's a yeah. very easy one to like recognize because of the way our culture works and the way we operate too. Um, so when it comes to like movement, um, in the past and in my history, again, it was always, you should do this or you do this. And, um, if you're not doing this, you are less than if you, are not fitting some sort of ideal. If you're not exercising seven days a week by running X, Y, Z miles or, um, you know, whatever it may be, this kind of much more aggressive focused um, mentality is what was kind of, I was being bombarded with. And in actuality, it wasn't inviting any room for my experience with any of the, maybe the activities that were being thrown in my face or the way that somebody was telling me to eat, the way that somebody was telling me to move, um, specifically like in yoga, oftentimes like you even get yoga teachers who are kind of like trying to force your body into something that like, it's like, that doesn't feel good. So what I started realizing as a practitioner, and then when I started becoming a facilitator is like, I don't want anybody to feel that way. Like, so before I even knew what trauma informed was, it was kind of like this mentality of like, what feels good for you? Do that. Like what feels good? Do that. And then as I learned more, I went back to grad school actually a few years ago and got my master's in positive leadership strategy and transformation from a school in Madrid. And part of our the bulk of our coursework was actually positive psychology based. And there's a great book called Positivity. You ever want to read it by Barbara Fredrickson. She was my professor. And she talks about the upward spiral theory of positive lifestyle change. And essentially what it says is that when you like something, you're more willing to do it more often (laughs) and create sustainable change. Like shocking, right? (laughs) But our way of like teaching movement and talking about movement in diet culture and in the, you know, especially in the way that we are raised with how we should move and how we should look didn't make room for that. It was like very like, you know, push yourself. It was much more push yourself, 
be past any negative thoughts. Da, 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 da. And it's like, well, we can observe negative thoughts and we can play with them. Like let's, let's play with our edge, but also let's respect when we've hit an edge that goes too far. And so mm-hmm. when I talk about being trauma informed, like there is an edge that you can absolutely dance with and play with in movement and challenge yourself. And like, I do, I love handstands, like used to be terrified of falling. Now my poor downstairs neighbors, like, <laughs> bless them. Cause I fall all the time. Cause I found this edge and I was like, I'm going to dance with this. But the more and more I got to play, which in breath work, we call the window of tolerance, same thing with movement. When I got to play with my window of tolerance, eventually I kind of got a little more comfortable, a little more comfortable. And now I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm good. Like I'm going to roll out. I'm going to fall. I'm going to hit the walls. I'm going to, it's totally okay. Um, and so that same practice of playing with that edge, but being inviting to what feels good and using language to invite people in, in a way that feels good for them translated then not only from movement, like when I facilitate yoga and I invite people to do poses, I'll usually offer like several different graduated ways of doing one movement. Um, same thing with breath work. I offer several different breath, you know, patterns that may feel good for them. Um, the same thing with business. So when I like review somebody's um, website or copy on something or my own, I want it to be an inviting way of doing something like not using tactics that like create that agitation, but yet create like, Oh, this is an option for me. Yeah. But not, this is an option for me. Oh my God, this is my only option (laughs) because yeah, yeah. there's so many pieces that it kind of all like all of it ties, whether it is business, whether it is breath, whether it is movement, whether it is whateverness. But it really, really boils down to when you were talking about that window of tolerance with movement. To me, I was like, yes, because I feel safe in my body to trust myself Mm -hmm. and to then I can play with that edge. I can know, wow, I do want to explore challenging myself a little bit today. And if I do, that's wonderful. And if I don't, that's wonderful. And there's no, there's no hierarchy in, I didn't, so that's bad, or I did, and that's good. And it is truly, I mean, there's, it's very toxic and I could rant for a very long time on the the way people talk and the way we do. And really, truly it boils down to whether it's, whether it's someone trying to sell you something in business or movement or whateverness, it's, if it's coming from a place of you need me because I need to make money on you, or you need me to be whole or be complete. That's a space where I would pull back and start to explore a little. I would invite you to explore a little bit in that of why do I have to rely on somebody else? Or why does it have, why do I have to listen to the instructor tell me to do five more reps when my body physically needs a break? Absolutely. Yeah. I I call it the expert mentality too. Like for a long time, I think there was this push in business, especially online business um, and moving over to really any type of thing that you facilitate that you have to be the expert if you're teaching something. Yeah. Guess what? The person you are speaking to is the expert in themselves. 
Yeah. Like I am here to hold a space and to offer guidance and offer modalities that you get to try but you are the expert in you. You are the expert in you. And I'm not ever, you'll never hear me like come out and be like, you need this program because I'm the unique person that's going to teach you this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, because I'm like, here's what I teach. If this resonates with you, if this is something, and you do a great job of this, by the way, if this is something that like you feel open to you and it's something you want to explore for yourself, then I'm more than happy to be on that journey with you, like with you to support you. But, um, we've gotten into this culture of making, of of trusting everyone else to be the expert on you. And I did that too. I trusted everyone else to be the expert on me. And all that did was lead to a hell of a lot of shame. (laughs) Like, because then when I looked at what my higher self should be, it took me a long time to realize that what I was imagining as my higher self was nothing to do with me. It was everything to do, like when somebody was like a higher self meditation, which by the way, I teach those, but now I make a very important distinction. My higher self is a natural extension of who I am, not somebody different than who that I feel like I should be. So I spent the better part of the last few months mourning the loss of the me that I thought I should be Mm. getting really, really quiet. I'm going to cry. Um, getting really, really quiet in mourning the loss of that person that never existed. That only existed in the minds of everyone else who told me they were an expert on me and they weren't, I'm the expert on me. And so, Uh, yeah. (laughs) That's a lot. And I want, I want to hold a little bit of space for that and really, really give people the opportunity to soak that in and to, and to hear that on many levels, because grief is not just when somebody dies and we are sad. It is the hardest griefs, the hardest aspects of grief that I've gone through in my life is grieving what I expected Mm. or thought or was told to believe should be. And when it didn't turn out that way, it's, it's very challenging. It can be very challenging. Absolutely. And I think we've come to a place in society as a whole, which is kind of cool. And why um, you talk about the way I write and kind of invite people into conversations around um, different things, different topics. I think I'm, uh, I talk on, but specifically a lot of times I talk around like the body and um it's one of the reasons why I invite people into a conversation and thought process around it, because I don't think that a lot of people realize so much of what is shaped in our mentality doesn't necessarily always come from us. Yeah. And everybody's on a different level of that awareness. And so it's like, people gave me grace on my journey And I think it's important that we give grace to each other on that same journey as people deconstruct the shoulds and deconstruct and mourn the loss. Like you said, it's mourning a loss and grieving what you thought to be true that may not have come from you. Mm -hmm. That may have actually been from something external and Mm -hmm. to decide for yourself then 
what does that look like? What do I even like? I'm still yeah. in that exploration phase. I'm still in the exploration phase of a lot of things of like, <laughs> what is my actual personality <laughs> if I take away trauma and lived experience? <laughs> okay. When I was the soul that popped down on this yeah. earth. <laughs> Would I laugh as much? Because I don't know, because trauma has made me laugh a lot. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, would I have the sense of humor I have if I didn't experience these things? Would I enjoy the things that I do? And I'll never know the answer. I mean, it's just of exploring the needs of it now of like, oh, okay, let's, let's scrap that and let's figure it out now get furiously curious what do I like do I like coffee I don't know do I like (laughs) and I think that comes back to giving grace to yourself as well in that and and I do it is being it is checking yourself a little bit and having grace for other people when it isn't done in the way that you believe that it should be or maybe in the the most aware way. And, and even you earlier complimenting and saying like, Oh, Megan, you do a great job of that. I say, thank you. And at the same time, I have a lot of shame because that was not always, I didn't always speak that way. And I did not, I did fitness training for many years and it, it was not in the way that I would do it now or in the way that I see now and just my whole body cringes and I'm like, oh, it's just so gross. And I want to say it like, it's just so gross. Um, so there is grace for self too, of saying, you're right, that, that most of that was not put on myself by myself. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, that is not my responsibility to take on what was not put on by me, but it is my responsibility and it is your responsibility, all of you. It's our personal responsibility to choose what we want to do with that. And it's a choice. You can do whatever you, the hell you want to do with it. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's when, that's when the real magic happens. When you can start to like step outside yourself and start to see like the blueprint of how things fit together. And you're like, I don't like that. That's kind of cool. I'll keep that this I should definitely stop doing. (laughs) This 100% needs to change. Hey, it's kind of cool that I was doing that already. I didn't even realize that was healthy. Like like when you could kind of step outside of it and then just kind of become your own architect of who you want to be. It's, it's scary. It's terrifying and it's glorious and it's painful and it's beautiful. And it's all, all the things um that get and it to, gets to like, be different tomorrow if you want it to be yeah. different tomorrow yeah and nothing is permanent nothing I learn so much every single day like I learn I don't even know how many new things I learn every day from different people and conversations that I think I've already gotten to a place in and I'm like, oh, I've, I've nailed that. Like, I, I, I have a really great awareness around this. And then something will come along and it just like blows my mind even more. And I'm like, what? Where did that come from? Like, okay, cool. Now I get to expand again, especially in these times of kind of breaking down societal like barriers and things in the way we've discussed, um, you know, how systems have been built in our society over the time too. Like, something I feel like I'll get like finally wrap my head around 
the deconstruction of something and then something comes out of left field and I'm like, oh, whoa, all right. That's, mm -hmm. I, I was doing this. I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> but yeah. And then looking at the old me and trying to give her grace because she just didn't know better. Like she didn't know better. She said a bunch of really bad stuff. I'm sure. Thank God phones and <laughs> Like video cameras weren't allowed, weren't around when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's that's the the cool space of that that continuation and that learning and that growing is. I, there's a few podcasts that I've been listening to recently that really push my edges, and I think if this is pushing something in me, it's drawing out something in me that mm. is clearly. Um, maybe something I want to focus some extra attention on and ask, why does this make me feel quite so passionately about the way that I feel? <laughs> yeah. I actually had to take a break a little while from like social media because I was starting to feel so passionately about like everything. <laughs> And then my friend, my friend was like, Elizabeth, I'd like send her different things. And I was like, it's just like, you know, you don't have to fix every single problem in the world. Like you, you can simmer down. Like you don't need to take it yeah. on every social cause. You don't need to change everything all at once. Like, and I was like, oh, okay, take a break. Come back to me. Whew, neutralized. But like, there was a lot of stuff. And I had to realize it was feeling that way because either one, I wanted so badly, I desired for change in the way that I had changed to happen for people on a timeline that wasn't my, wasn't on their, I wasn't giving them space to do it on their timeline. Yeah. I was trying to get them to change on mine or two, I was getting agitated because it was somewhere that I still had deep healing work to do on. Um, and those are typically the two, especially when it comes to social media that I catch myself in is like allowing people the timeline that they need or like stepping back and being like, okay, gut punch. Like, what do yeah. I, what do I got to explore there? Um, yeah. Yeah. I find that most with, and it is where I will find myself on my little soapbox of like, this is not trauma informed. And this is toxic. This is toxic fitness. And this is like, this is toxic diet culture. And then I'm like, okay, dude, like not, it is something that I am extraordinarily passionate about. So then I have to say that I just have to continue to speak my words and to, and to find people like you, Elizabeth, who speak those words and to share that and to, to share more of that, because that's all that I can do. I'm not going, you're right. It's not my timeline. It's not my journey. It's not my space. And are there some people that I wish would go away because the things that they're sharing and doing are extraordinarily not right. Yes. And I needed all of those types of versions of people in my life at one time too, to bring me here because I would not have been open to receive what I do now. And I'm still growing. It's not like, Oh, like I'm done. It's still an evolution, but the, the ways that I live and things that I choose to bring into my life now, I would not have been open to at a different season in my life. And I needed to be in that space to eventually get there. So I remind myself that, but there are some okay. still that. I know. Yep. I know. I, I, have to, I have to back up sometimes. Like <laughs> um, I start every class, like that, like workshop that I teach 
like there's this different series of things that I go through, like in talking about people can let, they can leave the room, they can walk around, they can do, you know, all these things that feel good for them. But then one of the other things I said is like, we'll take a moment to arrive. Like we'll like pause and arrive here. But then I said, some of you will be here physically, but you won't arrive here until you arrive here. So like some of you will arrive here today. Some of you will arrive here a week from today. Some of you will arrive here three years from now. And something I say today, you'll remember in three years from now and be like, oh, I get it now. Now, as a facilitator, the hard part and the challenging part to get over is to be totally okay with the fact that you are never going to know <laughs> if they arrive and when they will arrive to okay. it. And you just won't know. You yeah. won't know. There's certain things you can get, like as far as feedback and like conversation and things, but as far as truly grasping the concepts to where they can apply them in their own lives and actually move forward, 95% of the time, like you may know sometimes, but like 95% of the time, you're never going to know. Yeah. And you just have to kind of be okay in that realm. And um, that's been the hardest part for me because we like to make everything about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I love for things to be all about me. Like this podcast is great. Like, <laughs> great. So <laughs> and, and I had a teacher very early on. I teach paddleboard yoga and, uh, as well, I do a lot of everything. Work. I was like, when we're through with this, you get to tell us all of the things that you do. So <laughs> we'll list them out. Yeah. I used to travel around and like teach paddleboard yoga stuff. Um, I still do. Um, I was teaching what, and I was so nervous. I think it was the first time I actually taught a full class of stand-up uh, paddleboard yoga. And one of the other teachers there, he was like, why are you nervous? I was like, why would I not be nervous? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's not about you. I'm like, "Jeez, yeah. oh, Louise. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course it's about me. <laughs> I need to change lives out on a paddleboard on a Saturday. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. like, no, actually like, yeah, you may say one cool thing. Somebody may get a headstand on the board. Somebody may fall off the board 500 times and you will have no idea if anything you did made any impact uh, today. And that's okay. And you're just gonna have to be okay with that and create as much space for people to explore for themselves as possible. That's the only thing you can control are the actions that you take to invite people in. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, if that's the most I can control, then that's what I will do. That's actually why I love facilitating breathwork as much as I do, because it is the one space that I have found that I can tap into in my life that I really get to meet somebody and say, here, do it all. Mm-hmm. I will play you some jams. Yeah. I will tell you to breathe in and out through your nose or your mouth or whatever it is. And you don't even have to do that. And mm -hmm. I will let you be in your process until we're done. And then done. I'm out. Peace out. Like, it's not mine. It's not mine. Yeah. And I, I do. I love that aspect. And I still get in my head of like, but wait, do they, do I think they're having, are they, are they having a good time? Are they yeah. not? Are they asleep? Did, are they crying? Are they really sad? Did I make them have a really big emotion? Oh, it's a big day. <laughs> and unattached from that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, oh yeah. All the things all, yeah. I, I so resonate with that too. Like I remember in our training too, like where's my feedback forms? Where's my yeah. feedback? I'm like a feedback junkie. Like, where's my feedback forms? Um, and in my early yoga trainings, we 
they neutralize us to feedback, um, like just to feedback in general, to be able to take, like to basically detach yourself from it. Mm-hmm. So we would do exercises where you literally stand across from each other and you deliver cues. And so the person across from you will tell you pass or no pass. And then you switch people. So like, as soon as you figure out what somebody what resonates in one person's body, they switch it up and the next person's like, no pass. And you're like, what the, <laughs> and that was the whole point. It was like, you're like, you're going to have different reactions. You're going to have different responses. You're going to have to learn how to be a support for those people and to shift and change and maneuver within that. It has nothing like it's all in how they respond and how they receive. And uh, yeah, and you just have to be detached from that and, and try new things. And you get to continuously see what works for the for those people in front of you. And like, that was one of the best exercises I could have gotten out of that too. It's because like, it's always gonna yeah. change. It's always gonna change, like, yeah. And it comes full circle because truthfully, you as a facilitator are standing in what feels good for you in what you want in in what you feel called to do and what you feel channeled and whatever whatever kind of language or terms that you use and you can use this as a parent as a listener as a teacher as a whoever and know that that's an empowering choice for you and I don't need the external validation I don't Mm -hmm. need you to have an experience to feel how I did in the job or the space that I was creating in that moment. Yeah. Which is such an important skill to learn in anything, whether you're facilitating, whether you're in like work, like every day, like we as millennials too, like I see in the corporate space so often the need for validation from like bosses and like whoever the, and there's jokes about it all the time. Like the millennial, millennial corporate anxiety of like, my boss didn't add an exclamation point on like, good job. And you're like, oh my gosh, she thinks I did a terrible job. Like, <laughs> oh, shout out to my college roommate who was liking, this is how old we were, was liking a boy. And I think he either sent an email or like an in, a instant message. And he put like, I can't wait for Friday, period. And she was like, he put a period. He hates me. I was like, <laughs> I think he just put a period at the end of it. So yeah, that like. Proper punctuation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he just actually knows how to do grammar. Yeah, maybe praise him for being grammatically correct. Um, it's, my favorite is when somebody sends like the K. Like in a thing, and I I started responding. Thanks for the potassium, which only true nerds are gonna understand. <laughs> like every once in a while, somebody will write back and be like, "Really?" And like, yep. Thanks for the potassium. And they're like, "What?" I'm like, "Use your words. K is not a word. <laughs> K is an element on the periodic table." Uh, like, uh. But yeah, I know. There's a, on your podcast. There's like four people that are gonna get that reference out of the entire thing. Well, now they know if somebody responds back, that's for the potassium. That's it, or they have a new response back. So we've dropped in a little bit of a few of the things that you are creating are doing and are in and what and I'm also obsessing about Sid behind you your cat is he behind me oh my gosh I can see him in the little window he does he, he has his little cone on too that looks like orange. <laughs> uh, if you need anything wonderful in your life follow Elizabeth on Instagram one for her amazing content that she first of all for the amazing content that she shares in the messages and two just for straight up fun cat things 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. Weird. My cat's weird eyes. And- uh, cracks me up. Yeah, exactly. My cat. <laughs> and um, he's going to murder me one day, but that's okay. <laughs> so where in that actual moment of complete derailing this conversation, where, what are the things? What is Bentley? What, uh, where can people find you? What do you, what do you do? What do I do? The question um, of hate. Yeah, I know. What do you do? So the things that I do at the moment, um, I definitely facilitate breath work. One-on-one is what I do mostly. I might start doing more group stuff here in the new year. Um, Right now, I just really enjoy one-on-ones as they come and like message me. We do sliding scales, like see what works. Um, I just love, yeah, I really love doing the one-on-one sessions Um, is kind of my jam. Um, and just as it works out with people, uh, or I'll do sometimes I, I teach a few classes here in Houston. So if you happen to be in Houston, there are some chances to do more live group things like that. But the other things I do are corporate work. Mostly. Um, I Zently workplace is my company that I created and, uh, built an app with the app. We're going to be doing beta test launch. So if you guys do follow our Instagram, you'll see it's geared specifically towards mindfulness in workplace settings. So of course it works in all aspects of the life, but we focus on the physical, mental, and communal aspect of organizational well-being. So we gear towards organizations, but we'll probably also be doing kind of an individual collective group. And really what we're testing through that. I won't go too deep into this because I get really nerdy (laughs) is that we're testing social impact as incentive for engagement within creating new habits. So creating new habit around um, practicing mindfulness, pausing, creating awareness around the pause. And the more you interact with the app on a daily basis, the more you earn back towards charity. Um, So that's my Zentley. And then we do workshops and private consulting. So I'll do like entire culture reviews with people and like sit down and figure out what's going on with the culture and then doing coming in and speaking from a place of mindful leadership. I believe mindful leadership is the foundation for everything that we teach in life, but more specifically in the workplace. I don't believe that you can teach things even like diversity, equity, and inclusion if you can't teach people how to be present when there is inherent bias or when they are experiencing discomfort and and things like that. So using mindful leadership as a foundation for organizational development is one of the things that I do through Zently, which is really fun. I love it. Actually, it sparks some really cool conversations and talking to HR teams and things like that. It's just, yeah, it's really, really fun. And then the other piece of what I do, because like I said, I do lots of different things that interest me is um, evaluating other people's copy and sites and businesses for being trauma-informed. That started because a very good friend of mine who is a coach, we happened to be on a trip together and she was like, can you look over my site and make sure that I'm like doing things in a way that feels supportive to people? And I really just started loving doing that and just being like, yeah, let's, let's take a look at your offers. Let's take a look at your website. Let's take a look at what that looks like. And, um, so yeah, that's something that we'll, you'll see go up on the site soon is just like trauma informed copy consulting, um, working through like website reviews and offer reviews and things like that to make sure that we aren't using scarcity tactics or guilt, shame, and manipulation to, um, 
to bring people into your space and into your offers. So yeah. And that was just because it was fun for me. So I do things that are fun for me. (laughs) Like it was just, it was fun. So So do it. Yeah. So breath work one-on-one and then my corporate work with Zentley workplace and, um, yeah. And then this new offer is going to be up as far as doing, you know, copy consulting and website reform. I love that. And we could possibly come back and do a whole different, a whole topic on that. I know, right? (laughs) For anybody out there listening, it's just, if this is a space that's new to you, these words or this concept or any of this space is just something that's a little bit new. You will know if you take a moment and feel how your body feels when you listen to somebody like Lisbeth speak and the way that she speaks and the way that she talks about it and why, and when there is somebody else and it doesn't matter who it is, like if there's just a different approach in the way that you've always done, I promise you, I don't, I I won't promise you, but I'm fairly certain your body will respond in a different way. There will be something that feels different. And it's because one is leading with shame and guilt and disempowering you. And one is allowing you to be the leader of your own fucking life and your own space. And that can feel untethering because you're not used to that, but there's something exciting about that. Or there's something that to me, it just feels I'm at home. Like it's hard to explain, but it's just like, oh, that feels right. I don't know why. And it feels kind of scary and unnatural, but there is a piece that feels really right in that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, beautifully said. Beautifully said. Oh, I adore you so much. I adore you, my love. Yes. Oh. And just, I love seeing your stuff on social media. And it's one of the spaces that feels good to like be in on social media for me. So I, I just love, yeah, I love, I love seeing your face. Same, <laughs> same. I love crying with you and breath work. And we actually we laugh and cry usually and laugh I laugh and cry in breath work so with you so I know. well okay. my therapist would say I do the same thing so. <laughs> <laughs> no it's all one in the they same it's an emotion <laughs> they go hand in hand uh thank you so 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 much and all of your information is in the show notes so everybody can find you be a part of it and just experience it thank you so much for being here and for listening I cannot tell you enough how grateful I am for you and that you get to be on this journey with me and we're here together on this wild, this wild ride. If there's something in this episode that landed with you, share it on Instagram, share it with a friend, tag me in and I want to know, I want to hear about it. I love in the ways that we get to connect. And if you feel called, you can head over and rate and review this podcast It helps us to grow and share and have other like-minded souls join this community and rise together. Sending you light and love, always.